Yeah, come stand next to me. <clears throat> that note she sent me, we met at Elam Bible Institute, senior high week, but you could go as a junior. We were both juniors. This young, cute little thing chased me around, got my address, and then sent me a letter. When I got home from school, my stepmother was like, you have a red-scented letter. <laughs> Inside it said, when I got home, I cried. God showed me that you're going to be my husband. Yeah, that's what it said. Anyway, it was pretty weird. Somehow it happened, though. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. The Gentiles will come to thy light, the king's to the brightness of your rising. Lift up their eyes round about and see. All gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy sons shall come from the far. Their daughters shall be nursed at thy side. You know, that's just the day and age in which we live. How, how many know the darkness today is so bad? It is so dark. It's unbelievable. But the darker it is, the brighter you shine. Amen. Amen. You might, you know, we used to sing this song, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You may feel like you're just a little light, but as dark as it's getting, man, you are a huge beacon in this world. And God, God in his presence is, is uh, such a drawing. We, we hear about the revivals that are happening. Many have heard about the Asbury revival. You know, those kids, they just, they just wanted to just be in the presence of the Lord and sing and worship. And God was doing all kinds of stuff. They didn't tell some of the, 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 the more Pentecostal manifestations. But some of the stories have come out about what God was doing. You know, they had a prayer in the back room where they were casting out demonic spirits. People who thought they were the other sex, they cast that spirit out and they knew who they were, you know. This is what God's doing today. Amen. His, his light is shining upon you. As you're coming into his light, his light is coming out of you. And the world's seeing. And the world needs. You know, people, if there was ever a day when the world realized that they were in darkness, it's today. And they realized, man, these things are messed up. We need something. You are that something because Jesus is inside of you. Amen? Amen. So be a lighthouse for Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm just going to talk to you for a minute about my books. And like I told the ladies, I'm not really a businesswoman, and I'm not very good at promoting this stuff. But just so that you know, there are the devotionals with my dad's poetry. There's two of them back there. This is the life story of a pastor in the Philippines who I'm going to tell you about in my message. Then this is my first book, The Promise of Suddenly. If you know somebody that needs a suddenly, that will encourage you. This is the book that I wrote about my dad, a storyteller's daughter. He, he, was, he was my storyteller. I heard him tell all his stories so many times. I could probably preach several of his messages from heart because we'd travel around together and He'd preach the same message, you know, when you'd go. And so I heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it, and it just got deep inside of me. And so if you want to know what it was like growing up with Charlie Elwell, this is the book. <laughs> he was not a perfect man, but he was a great man. He was a great man. And he really showed me how to walk with God. And we really enjoyed a wonderful life together. Um, I have a mom. I have a brother and a sister. My sister traveled with my dad some, and we all loved my dad, but I had that. I had his, you know, I had his heart on my chain. <laughs> Just, he was always there for me. Anyways, here's a book about peace. If you'd like to um, read something that's fiction, but also teaches a message, that's the book on peace. My newest book, Treasures in Dark Places, that is all about finding God's treasure when you're going through really hard times. Then this is the storm walker. It's about Peter walking on the water. This is because God said so. Who was it that told me they liked that book? Was it? 
someone you said you like because God said so that's got some great stories in it all true stories this is my second book keepers of salt and it's about the covenants then I got creatures of the forest which is my spiritual warfare book you can get any of those books also on Amazon and if you would if you don't see what you want I can order it and have it mailed to you um, also if you would, if you like my books, go on Amazon and write reviews. I need reviews. It really is helpful. Anyways, uh, I also have t-shirts back there, and they're in a variety of sizes. Just grab them. Everything's 10 bucks. There you go. Just stick the money in the box. <laughs> I take cash, check, IOUs, chocolate, and Venmo. I'm not really too concerned. God is my source, and I am so grateful for him. I serve a wonderful God. All right, I'm going to set this aside while I sing into this one. Okay, is it on? Is it, is it on? Is it on, Rob? Okay. When the valley is deep, when the mountain is steep, when the body is weary, when we stumble and we fall, when the choices are hard, when we're battered and scarred, when we've spent our resources when we've given our all in Jesus name we press on in Jesus name we press on dear Lord with the prize clear before our eyes we find the strength to press on when the valley is deep when the mountain is steep when the body is weary when we stumble and we fall, when the choices are hard, when we're battered and scarred, when we've spent our resources, when we've given our all. In Jesus' name, we press on. Jesus' name, we press on. Dear Lord, with the prize clear before our eyes, we find the strength to press on. Oh, brothers and sisters, today when it seems like everything is going wrong, and when you have spent everything, when you've given and you have nothing left to give, and when it seems like you can't go on and your body is just given out, I want you to know that you can stand today. You can press on today. You can go on and go on and go on and go on and never give up. Oh, you can go on today no matter what you're facing. You can go home today and you can face those problems head on, knowing that God has given you a solution. You can go on today knowing that God is your source and you don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow because God has come upon you in such a way that you know that you know that you know that He is Jehovah Jireh. You know that you know that you know that God is with you and he has never left you. 
I know today that some of you came here and you were struggling and you said to the Lord, if I don't get an answer today, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I want you to know that God has an answer for you and you don't have to worry anymore because the Lord God is with you. He is your source. He is your fortress. He is the answer to all of your problems. All he wants you to do is to press on, keep going, and never give up. In Jesus' name, we press on. In Jesus' name, we press on. Dear Lord, with the prize clear before our eyes we find the strength to press on in Jesus name we press on in Jesus name we press on Dear Lord, with the prize clear before our eyes, we find the strength to press on. Oh, thank you, Lord. We find the strength. We find the strength, Lord. Just say that with me, Lord. I find strength in you. My strength is in you, Lord. My strength is in you, mighty God. Oh, thank you, Lord. I did this for the ladies yesterday, but I believe God has something for us in it again today. I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrow, I will ask my God to move. I speak the name, cause it's all that I can do. In desperation, I'll seek heaven, and I'll pray this for you. I pray for your healing. Circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I speak the name of all authority, declaring blessing every promise he is faithful to keep. Have you noticed that? Every promise he's faithful to complete. He is faithful to keep it and give it to you. He does not go back on his promises. I speak the name no grave could ever hold. He is greater, he is stronger, he's the God of possible. No situation that you're facing is impossible to God. Oh no, he is greater, he is stronger, he's the God of possible. I pray for your healing circumstances would change I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus name I pray that a breakthrough would happen today I pray miracles over your life in Jesus name in Jesus name Receive it. Hold the power.
is now forever yours. Come believe it. Come receive it. In the mighty name of Jesus, all things are possible. I pray for your healing. Circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. Yes, today. Almighty God, give us a breakthrough today. I pray for a breakthrough today. Mighty God, that a breakthrough, a breakthrough would come today. I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, oh, in Jesus' name, we pray for that breakthrough, a breakthrough, that it would happen today. I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, I pray for revival. Oh, yes, Lord, for a mighty revival, Lord, that transforms our lives. Almighty God, a revival today, Lord. I pray for revival, restoration of faith. I pray that the dead would live again. In Jesus' name, come believe it. Come receive it. In the mighty name of Jesus, all things are possible. I pray for your healing. Circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. In Jesus' name, no more fear. No more fear. We're not going to be afraid anymore. We're not going to be afraid anymore. Say that with me. I am not going to be afraid anymore. I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I pray that the fear inside would flee. In Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, I pray for revival, restoration of faith. Mighty God, restore us. Almighty God, restore our faith. I pray that the dead would come to life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Oh, it's on. I've been well taken care of. Amen. I love that song that you guys sang in the, the um, worship team that said, this is the house of miracles. I really liked that. I didn't know that song. I'd never heard it before. But I'll tell you something. That really rang true in my heart for this place. This place is the house of miracles. You have been waiting for a long time to see the move of God come in this place. And you have seen measures of the move of God in this place. But I'm telling you today, you are about to see miracles that you've never dreamed you would see before. The things that you have invested in this city, the time that you've invested, the prayers that you've invested, all of the things that you have sacrificed for the sake of the kingdom of God, they are coming to harvest. They are coming to harvest. And God is about to do great things. And this is indeed a house of miracles. This is, that should be your theme song, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, this is the house of miracles. You've been praying for a long time. And, and you know, sometimes it feels like, you know, 
the promises of God haven't come. And we've been waiting and we've been waiting. And we have these things in our heart that we just know God wants to do. And yet we, we just don't see them. We see a measure. We see a little bit here and a little bit there. And we see a measure. But the things that we expect, we don't see them. And we begin to become very discouraged. But God wants you to know that he doesn't want you to live in the tomb. He doesn't want you to be discouraged and give up hope. He doesn't want you to give up. He wants you to press in and press in and press in because when you do, it unlocks something in the spirit realm. It's like taking the key and putting it in the lock and turning it and it unlocks something. Fred and I have had our, our measure of interesting experiences on the mission field. And we're leaving today for Benin. We leave tonight out of New Jersey, so you guys could be praying for us. And we'll be gone for two weeks. We come home, and I'll be home for Easter, and then I go straight back to the Philippines, and I'll be there till May. So our life is kind of busy, and we have experiences. We do. We have these experiences. And did I tell you about the, yeah, I did tell about the airplane yesterday. I did tell that. Well, we've had these experiences, and we were traveling cross-country with a van full of young people. We enjoyed taking people with us, and we had one missionary couple tell us, we discovered that you really shouldn't go to two different countries on one trip. And Fred and I were going to three and four countries in one trip, five countries in one trip. I mean, we're just plowing through all the countries in Africa, and... And it became normal for us. But we had a few rules. And one was you don't travel after dark because it's not safe. But then sometimes something happens and there's nothing you can do about it. Like the traffic is bad or you get a flat tire or your car breaks down or whatever is going to come against you that the devil uses. And you end up being someplace where you don't want to be at nighttime. And we were traveling from Benin to Ghana, and we're traveling on these country roads in Ghana, and we got this van full of people. And our back end wasn't closing right. We had too much luggage, so we had it strapped down. <laughs> and, you know, I discovered when I invite people to go on the mission field, they take too much stuff. I'm always hauling people's stuff. I'll tell you, I came back from the Philippines with three other people, and we had 19 pieces of luggage. I was like, you guys. I had to get several, I had to get several taxis just to get to and from the airport. And I'm like, you can't do that. But anyways, they had too much stuff, and the, the van wouldn't close in the back, and we got stopped by the police. And you don't want to get stopped by the police in the dark when you're traveling through the country because the police are as bad as bandits, you know? And so you don't trust them. And, and this policeman comes, and he shines his light in the van, and he looks at everybody, and he says, everybody out. So everybody's getting out, and he wants us to unload everything. And I said to my niece, Hannah, I said, Hannah, we're not getting out. And she said, you're not getting out. I said, no, you sit right here next to me, and we are not getting out. And the police came by, and he shines the light in my face, and he said, I said, everybody out of the van. I said, I can't get out. He said, why? I said, because I'm busy singing. And I said, we've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. He's never failed us yet. And I'm singing, and I'm singing, and the guy finally said, you guys are crazy, and told everybody to get back in the van. There were several times Fred would say, sing the song. <laughs> We'd get stopped by the police. The car would break down, and he'd open up the side door of our van, and he'd say, sing the song. And that's become a theme for us. But you know what? I could have got out of the van. I could have got out. I didn't have to stay there. I didn't have to sing. I didn't have to do what... I was doing, I had a choice to make. We all have choices to make. We get to choose how we live out our life. I was thinking about Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, and I really like that story because, you know, they were called um, 
to go travel on these mission trips. And a man from Macedonia visited Paul in a dream, and they end up going to Macedonia because that's what God said, or the man in the dream. So they go there believing that that is what God wanted them to do. And they get there, and there is this woman who has an evil spirit who's following them around, driving Paul crazy. And finally, Paul rebukes the evil spirit and casts the spirit out of the woman. And she was a fortune teller or some kind of a sorceress. And now the people who owned her could not use her because the demonic spirit was gone. So they're mad, and they put Paul and Silas in prison. And here they are in prison, and the Bible says at midnight, after they'd been beaten, after they had been abused, at midnight, in the darkest part of the night, they were singing. You know, I've often thought, they probably felt miserable. They were hurting. And those prisons were really bad places. They were holes in the ground. They were caves. They were terrible places. They were rats and snakes and bugs. And you can just imagine if they've been beaten and they're bleeding, there's all kinds of critters nibbling on them. And they're all chained up. And they could have been feeling sorry for themselves. We came here, God, because you told us to come. And look what happened. We didn't want this to happen. You told us to come. And now look what happened. That's not what they did. They were singing and they were worshiping because they had a choice to make. They could either be in prison or they could be in a revival. And they chose to be in a revival. They chose to be in the presence of God. They said, no matter what happens, we're still going to worship God. We don't have to be in this prison. We are children of the Most High God, and we're going to worship the Lord, even though it's the darkest part of the night, when we feel like we are most alone. We're going to have a revival. And you know that's what happened. Because the ground began to shake and the doors broke off and the chains broke off and the guard came out and saw everybody was loose and he was sure that everybody would run away. He's ready to kill himself because he knew he'd be tortured if the prisoners got away. So he thought, well, I'll just kill myself and not suffer the torture. And Paul said, don't go, don't go. We're still here. Everybody is here. And Paul and Silas began to preach and they had a revival in the middle of the prison. You have a choice. You can either be in prison or you can be in the revival. And your physical situation does not determine which one you're in. I just love that story. I think that is so exciting. He got to, they got to choose it. I think maybe they were singing my song. And then in John chapter 11, I want us to look at this story about Lazarus. John chapter 11, Jesus, and we're going to start at verse 14. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Just imagine this. Jesus says to his disciples, Lazarus is dead. My friend is dead. He's gone. He's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. If you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had only been here, why didn't you come? Why didn't you come? You knew he was sick. You heard he was sick. And you lingered. You didn't come. You weren't even that far away. Why didn't you come? 
And then she says, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Didn't she just say, even now I know that whatever you choose will still happen? Even now, even though he's dead? Isn't that what she just said? She said, even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said, okay, your brother will live. And she said, yeah, in the resurrection. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe it? Do you believe it that I am the resurrection and the life? She said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world someday. I believe that. She said yes, but she had no idea what was about to happen. She had absolutely no idea what was about to happen, even though she knew how to say the right things. She said all the right things, but in her heart, he was dead. He was dead. Until someday in the future, during the, rev- during the resurrection, in the last days. When she'd said that, then she called her sister and she said, the teacher's here and he's calling you. And when she heard it, Mary rose quickly and went to him. And Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in a place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house were consoling her, Mary rose quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. If you had only been here. How many of you have had situations where it looks like everything is dead? It's finished. Marriage is finished. My kids are too far gone. My health, oh my God, my health. And you think you're finished. And Mary says, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus saw her weeping. And the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly, greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. That little verse, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He cried with them. He didn't cry because he was sad. He cried because he had compassion on them. He cried. So they would know that Jesus cried with them. Did you know Jesus suffered alone on the cross? But he weeps with us. So that when we are suffering, when we are going through our hard times, we are not suffering alone. And Jesus weeps with us. So the Jews said, see how much he loved him? Some of them said, couldn't he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? What's the deal with this guy? This was his friend. Couldn't he healed all these other people? For a long time, we've been hearing about all the miracles this man's been doing, and yet here's his friend, and he didn't do anything to help him. Couldn't he who opened the blind eyes, couldn't he who healed all these other people have healed his friend? You'd think that if there was anybody that he would heal, he'd heal his friend. Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb, and it was a cave with a stone laying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench or he stinks, for he has been dead for four days. This guy is really dead. He is really dead. And Martha says, I don't want you to open up that tomb. I don't want you to move the stone. I don't want you to make everybody have to smell the smell of death. 
And Jesus said, didn't I say that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? She still doesn't get it. She still doesn't get it. Didn't I say that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Come on, Martha. Come on. You're my friend. You sat. You heard me. You believe in me. You have an understanding. But for some reason, you still don't get it. So they took the stone away from the place where the dead man lay. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. And he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. Because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Now, if you can imagine, this man has been wrapped with over 65 pounds of resin, melted into the grave clothes, and they bound his head so he can't see, and they bound his arms, and they bound his feet. I have no idea how that guy came out of that tomb. But Jesus said, come out. And you know what? Lazarus had a choice. Jesus didn't say, come on, you guys, go get him. He didn't. He said, Lazarus, come forth. He had a choice. I want you to know you have a choice. You can either stay in the grave or you can come out. And you may be coming out all wrapped up with the grave clothes. And you may stink from the old rotting flesh. But it doesn't matter because Jesus said, okay, unwrap him and let him go. So when you come out, you've got a church family who will unwrap you and help you so that you don't stink anymore. Jesus said, come out, and Lazarus had to come out. You can't stay in the grave any longer. But if you want to, you can stay there. Fred and I have a friend. His name is Don. He was in the Vietnam War, and he got wounded really bad. And they said he was dead. They sent him to the field morgue, whatever it was, and they they had a tag on his toe. And the Catholic priest was in there giving last rites to all the dead soldiers that were sitting in that room. And Don is there, and he's conscious, but he can't move. And everybody thinks he's dead. And he's laying there. He can't move any part of his body. I mean, he's just dead. And inside of him, he's like, no, I'm not dead. I'm really here. Come on, you guys. I'm not dead. But there's a tag on his toe that says he's dead. And everybody says the guy's dead. The doctors checked him out. Everybody said he was dead. But inside of him, he was still alive. And he couldn't He couldn't get his message out. Nobody could hear him. And suddenly, while that Catholic priest is giving last rites, his big toe moved. And the doctor said, one of those guys is still alive. And they said, no, we checked them all out. He says, yeah, one of them moved his toe. You better get back in there and check on this guy because he's not dead. He was laying there in that dead body. The doctors thought he was dead. He's laying there in that dead body. But he had something inside of him that said, I got to get the message out. I got to get out of this. I got to get out of this situation. He said, I don't want to be dead. You know, sometimes we go through so many things in our life, and there's a part of us that dies. We go through sorrow. We go through mourning. We go through difficulties. People have hurt us. Maybe that's you. Maybe you were hurt as a kid and something in you died. Maybe you've been struggling with depression. Maybe you've been struggling with thoughts in your mind. Well, I want to tell you today, God is speaking and he's saying, come out. Come out. Come out. So many people, when Jesus touched them, he told them to do what they thought they could not do. He would say to them, pick up your bed and walk. 
They were laying there for years on that bed. He says, pick up your bed and walk. Pick up my bed and walk. Did you see what kind of condition I'm in? They had to pick up their bed and walk. Sometimes he said, go show yourself to the priest. Sometimes he said, what do you see? And he would ask them, what was it that you couldn't do before? I want you to begin to do what you couldn't before. Some of you have been buried for so long, and you have a mentality that says, I can't. I can't get out. I can't live. I can't succeed. Everything is wrong. Everything is dead inside of me. But today I want you to know that Jesus is speaking to you in the same way that he spoke to Lazarus. And he's saying to you, come forth. Come forth. There's life in you. There's not death in you. I don't see death in you. I don't see death in your marriage. I don't see death in your kids. I don't see death in your body. I don't see death in your mar- in your ministry. I don't see the death. I want you to come forth because there's life for you. And when you receive that life, God's going to use you in ways you never thought he could use you. There's youth leaders in this church. There's Sunday school teachers in this church. There's musicians in this church. There's intercessors in this church. Some of you never thought you could do anything for God, but God put something in you that you can do. You don't even know you can do it because you've been laying there in grave clothes with the stone in front of your door. And today I roll that stone away and I don't care what you smell like. Because Jesus is speaking and he's saying, come forth, come forth, come forth, come forth. I'm going to tell you a story about a Filipino man. His name is Pastor Vince and his book is back there. He came to the United States with his mom and dad and his five siblings They immigrated. They had a lot of money in the Philippines, but when they came here, his parents' education didn't mean anything. So they ended up doing just menial labor, and they didn't have much money, and they were kind of poor. And Vince was very discouraged and didn't like his life, and he felt very alone. He got involved in drugs and alcohol. And after about four years of hanging out with the gangs and taking as many drugs as he could and being arrested and sent to juvie several times. He decided he wanted to kill himself, and he said, I I just don't want to live anymore. And so he had a little beat-up car that he used to drive to, to work. He's 17 years old, and they're living in Minnesota, and it was wintertime. So he took his his little car, his beat-up car, and went to one of those uh, commuter parking lots where there's lots of cars, but very few people are there in the middle of the day. And he parked his car and waited till it was covered with snow, and then he got out a knife, and he stabbed himself in the neck five times. He said, I don't know how I lived because if I didn't die real quick. That's why I kept doing it, he said. And he, he went unconscious when the paramedics, somehow there was an angel that said there's someone in that car that's dying. And when the paramedics came, they said he was swimming in his own blood. How he lived, I don't know. He ended up in the hospital. He thought maybe he was in heaven because everything was white. (laughs) And they said, no, you lived, but you had so many drugs in your car and you had so many problems. And so he gets out of the hospital and he ends up facing a judge. And the judge said, you can either go to juvenile prison or you can be deported. He said, please, let me be deported. I want to go back to the Philippines. And he went back to the Philippines and he ended up living on the street dealing drugs in the Philippines. But he had an auntie who was a Christian. And his auntie prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him. And she talked him into going to church with her one night. And God got a hold of that young man. That young man has today founded 72 churches throughout the Philippines. And he's worked in some of the most hardened areas where it was the most dangerous to be with the terrorists and all kinds of uh, hardships that he went through. And as I heard his story, and I began to think about it, he wasn't dead till God said he was dead. Lazarus wasn't dead till God said he was dead. 
You're not dead till God says you're dead. Your marriage isn't dead till God says it's dead. Your health isn't gone. You're not dead till God says you're dead. Your ministry's not dead till God says it's dead. You got more life in you than you can imagine. That young man did everything he could to kill himself. But God said, I didn't say it was your time to die yet. I was speaking in Baltimore, and after the service had an altar call, and there was this young man that came up. I don't know why, but I was so drawn to that young man. He came up with his grandma. And the two of them are, are kneeling at the altar. That church, they really like to kneel at their altar. And they're kneeling at the altar. And, and, and I just was fixated on that young man. And I began to speak to him. And I said, you know, God's got a plan for your life. God wants to use you. You haven't done things that are so bad that God can't use you. God wants to redeem everything that you have done. God wants to redeem your life. You have a ministry. God's got things for you. And the more I'm talking, the more the grandma's crying, the more the young man's crying, the more the pastor's pastor's crying. The pastor's standing there, and he's crying, and he's crying, and he's crying, and I can't get away from this young man, and I just keep saying, God's got a plan for your life. Don't give up. Don't give up, and I didn't know that his grandma had entered his bedroom that morning, and the young man was hanging from a rope. He wasn't dead till God said he was dead. His life wasn't finished. Your life isn't finished. Your life isn't finished. Your ministry's not finished. You're just getting started. There's a revival coming. There's miracles coming. There's exciting things coming. Don't stay in the prison. Don't stay in your problem. Don't stay in the grave. It's time to come out. Now, I know I, I've told this story before, and I'm, it's my last story. But we have a son, and his name is Christopher Christopher Duffy, and I call him Duffy. And he was addicted to Legos. I mean, this kid loved Legos. You've probably, some of you probably heard this story. He loved these Legos. That was all he wanted. For his birthday and Christmas, all he ever wanted was Legos. He didn't care if he didn't get anything else. All he wanted was Legos. And he wanted the monorail. I didn't realize he wanted the Lego monorail, and at the time, it was the most expensive Lego kit you could get. And it had some electronic components and things in it, and so it made it very expensive. And I said to him, I said, honey, what would you like for Christmas? And I never should have done it. It was the biggest mistake of my life. I'll tell you, he said, I want the Lego monorail, and I'm like, oh. Lord, I don't have enough money for the Lego monorail. How am I ever going to get enough money for the Lego monorail? I never should have asked him. You know, if I hadn't asked him, I could have gotten something else maybe. He said, I said, don't you want something else? And he said, no. All I want is the Lego monorail. So Fred began to say to him, wouldn't you like something else? We'd take him to the toy store. Fred would show him these wonderful little fire trucks and all kinds of things that you could get that were much less expensive. And he'd say, no, Mama asked me what I wanted for Christmas, and I told her exactly what I wanted for Christmas, and that's all I want. And so I'm thinking, this poor kid's going to have a lousy Christmas. And... So I went to all the grandparents, and I said, this is the only thing he wants for Christmas. Can you all chip in? So people were chipping in, and I got money from Fred's parents and money from my parents and money from my grandmother, and I still was short. And so I asked my sister, who's always had a good job, and I said, Sherry, I need exactly this much money. <laughs> Will you help me buy this for my son for Christmas? And she did, and so we went to the store, and we bought the Lego monorail. Now, the Lego monorail comes in a box about like this, and it's about that deep, you know, and it makes a lot of noise when you shake it. And, and so I was feeling a little bit bad because I wanted the present to be a surprise, but I like to pre wrap my presents in advance. We never did the Santa Claus thing. We just, I would wrap things in advance and sit them under the Christmas tree in the living room and look at all the pretty presents before Christmas. And it's two weeks before Christmas. So I said to Fred, go down to the store and get one of those great big TV boxes that they have. You know, back when TVs came in these big boxes instead of the skinny ones. So he came home with a great big box. I said, I need some bricks and I need some other stuff. So I filled the box with all these bricks. 
I covered, put the Lego thing in. I stuffed the box with those styrofoam peanuts so it wouldn't make noise. And I put blankets and towels on top of it. I wrapped the box up, and I put all kinds of pretty bows on it and everything, and I couldn't lift it. It was so heavy. And I'm dragging it into the living room. And as I drag it into the living room, my son says, Mama, whose gift is that? I said, it's yours. And he said, no, Mommy, no, 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 no. Mommy, no, no, no. And he's crying, and he's crying. He says, no, Mama, you asked me what I wanted for Christmas, and I told you exactly what I wanted for Christmas, and it comes in a box just like this, and that is not it. I said, trust me. You're going to like it. You're going to like it. And he said, no, I won't. Every day he looked at that box and cried. For two weeks he looked at that box and cried. He cried and cried to the point that people were calling me a bad mother. Because my little boy is crying every day before Christmas. And I'd say, but honey, you're going to like what's inside. And he said, no, I won't, Mom. But you know, on Christmas Day, and he opened that box. It was everything he wanted. It was everything he wanted. But he didn't have to open the box. He could have just left it there. Said, I don't want what's in it. I told you what I wanted, and that's not it. He could have just left it there. He could have said, I'm not going to open that thing. My sister's got a friend that, that became angry with her few years ago, and she bought her all these gifts, and the woman won't take them. And they're sitting all wrapped up in my sister's closet. She won't take them. She just leaves them there. My son could have left that box there. But you know, inside that box was everything he wanted. Inside of the prison where Paul and Silas were was the revival they wanted. I'll tell you something. This is a place of miracles. This is a place of miracles. And I want to encourage you today, don't stay there in the tomb. Don't stay in the tomb. Don't stay in the grave. Don't stay. But make it your place of worship. Come out of the grave. Come out of that situation. Begin to worship the Lord. Declare who God is in your life. Declare to other people, I may not have everything that I need today, but I have a God who is Jehovah Jireh, and he meets my needs. I may not be going where I think I should be going, but I have come this way by faith. I have come this far, and the only way I'm going to keep going is by faith and and I choose to walk by faith, not by sight, because what I see is not always what is reality. What my son saw was not really his gift. What he saw in his mind's eye was a fire truck. He had no idea what he was going to get. I want to tell you today, you have no idea what God wants to do in your life. You have no idea what God wants to do in your life. You may feel like it's over. You have tried for so long, and it's over. You may feel like you have no hope. I want to tell you today, you have hope. I want to tell you today, today I'm telling these evil spirits to move their stones Move their stones so that you can come out. You don't have to stay there any longer. You're going to have a revival in this place, and God needs you. You're going to have a revival in this place, and God needs you. He needs you to be the evangelist. He needs you to be the person that's the perfect host that greets them at the door and sends them birthday cards. He needs you to take care of the kids, and he needs you to provide the snacks, and he needs you to be there in support to the pastor, and he needs you to sweep the floors and clean the bathrooms, and he needs you to be a part of the revival so that the revival can come because it's going to be bigger than you are. And if God's going to do that, he needs you. He needs you. You have value in the kingdom of God. You have great value in the kingdom of God. Your life isn't over. 
your marriage isn't over, your finances are not over. Get my iPad moving. There's more to your life than you know that you have. There's more to your life than you ever thought that you could have. There's more power in you. Your situation isn't the end. It's the beginning of a new day. There's more finances for you than you know. There's more life in you than you know. There's no more power in you. You haven't failed too much. You haven't made too many mistakes. There's still hope for you. You're not too broken. You're not too wounded. You're not too poor and you're not too ignorant. Your background is Bad, your family isn't too far gone, your marriage isn't too far gone, your health isn't too fragile. Your finances aren't bankrupt, your kids aren't too wild, crazy, or drugged, and your faith isn't too small. There's always hope. There's always hope. Never give up. Never give up. We press on, we press on, we press on, we press on. So I want you to stand with me. I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you with the authority that you have given me through the blood covenant of my Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, in Jesus' name, I command all evil spirits who have buried my friends behind graves to loose them and let them go. Father, I just speak to the stones that have covered the grave, the emotional graves, the emotional graves, the thought graves. Father, I just thank you, Lord. We have the mind of Christ, Lord. You promised us the mind of Christ. You promised us the mind of Christ when we come to the cross. And so, Lord, you see all of these here that love you. They've served you. They have the mind of Christ. They have the mind of Christ. They don't have dementia or Alzheimer's. They don't have depression. They don't succumb to thoughts of suicide. They have the mind of Christ. They have the joy of the Lord. They have the peace that is beyond understanding. They have hope that renews the spirit. They have the garments of salvation. Father, they have your garments of salvation. Father, I ask that you would loose them right now. And I say to them, come forth in Jesus' name. Come forth in Jesus' name. Father, as we lift our hands up before you, we declare that you are in charge of the time, the day, and the hour. And Father, you have good things for us. You have good things for us. Brothers and sisters, I want you to say that with me. God has good things for me. God is not finished with me. I have a ministry in the kingdom of God. Father, you heard those words, and I believe that you are imparting those ministries right now into the hearts and lives of the people here. Father, I thank you that they're going to rise up and be the people that you called them to be. Father, I declare that the fear is gone, the sorrow is gone, the mourning is gone, the hurt and the pain is gone. Father, I thank you that you redeemed us from sorrow. You redeemed us from mourning. You have redeemed us from sickness and disease. You have redeemed us. And Lord, we acknowledge that redemption and we say thank you. Say that with me. Thank you for redeeming me, Jesus. Thank you for redeeming me, Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, even as you spoke to Lazarus and you said, Lazarus, come forth. I speak to these men and women and I say, come forth into your glorious life. God's got a life for you. God's got a life for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mighty God, I thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, I just want to take this opportunity to call back into this church all the young people that met you here. I want to take the opportunity right now, mighty God, to call back the young people. 
I call them in and I say, I say to you young people, let your ears be open to hear the calling of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God. Father, there's so many who found their place in this church. There are many in this city who found their salvation in this church. They found you in this church. And Father, I call them back. If you got young people that used to be in church with you, I want you to call them back with me right now. I call you back. I call you back. You belong here. Lord, I bless each one. I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want individual prayer, I'd be glad to pray with you. And we will agree. Come on up. If you want prayer, you come on up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Is our house on the